This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's the Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live from the team store here at Vivint Arena, getting you set for Summer League, which uh, action is underway. Folks are here. They're watching, enjoying themselves. The Jazz play themselves tonight <laughs> at 7. Yeah, okay. The blue team against the white team, so tune in for that. Who do you, who are you favor? <laughs> well... <laughs> It's the white team that has all the players on it, right? <laughs> I'm not even sure. I'm not sure But one, one team does have Yeah, it. right. No. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's jump into what's going on here, Gordon. And I do want to get to our anonymous Pac-12 coaches. Thing. Yeah. We'll get to that at, at 530. Stay tuned. Um, but right now, let's check in with Hans and Scotty G uh, for what's going on. They talked about quarterbacks. Jaron just needs to be a pocket quarterback. It's something that I've talked about for a long time. You know, you were just talking about a quarterback that just got another big payday in the NFL. You know why I feel okay paying him? Because Jared Allen sits in the pocket and throws a ball. Yeah. You know why I feel okay paying quarterbacks that sit in a pocket and throw a ball? Because they don't leave their head out there to be knocked off by a Utah State linebacker. They don't leave their knees out there to be ripped and gutted by Utah linebackers, Utah defensive linemen. They don't leave themselves out there susceptible to big hits that are going to change the outcome of the season. And I'm hoping that Jaron Hall can understand that. His body and his brain can't take the hits. So it sounded like Dustin Smith felt like Jaron Hall's figuring that out as BYU's potential starting quarterback. Certainly hope that's the case. And it really... BYU got lucky last year. And, and I'm not saying BYU in particular, or even Zach Wilson in particular. It's just Aaron Roderick did the numbers. What do you say? 20 teams total had a quarterback last year. And what have we got? 130 te- Division One football teams. And we even had a shortened season, too. 20 teams started their quarterback week one, finished in week 10 or 11 or 12, or how many games people are able to get in. It doesn't happen very often. And so that, and that's just normal quarterback play now you throw on the fact if a guy does things that aren't necessarily smart on how he treats his body and how how he what the risks he takes during the games that that's going to accelerate the percentage of chances of you missing time throughout the season if jaron hall is going to be the guy and you and i both believe he will be your week one starter for byu he needs to do everything in his that he possibly can to make sure that he's the starter in week 12. Now, look, if production dips and he gets moved out because of that, that's a different issue. But you can't leave yourself open to opportunities to take those big hits. And I talked to him a little bit about that at BYU Media Day, and I said, how how difficult is it to walk that line to be smart, but then also you're down four, middle of the fourth quarter, it's third and five, and that window opens up, and you feel like you can get that six those six yards to get that first down, and you need to keep the play alive. He's like, I'm going to do what it takes to win. And I wouldn't expect him to say anything else. Like, you don't want a quarterback to be sliding two yards shy of a first down in the middle of a fourth quarter when you're down by four trying to put together a game-winning drive. So you just got to pick and choose your moments. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't do that in the first quarter, but you do it in the fourth. I don't don't know what the answer is 
guys that are far smarter than I can come up with that. But still, this is a quarterback in a team that desperately needs consistency at that position. Well, I think that that's one thing that we can point out going on at the University of Utah right now with Charlie Brewer as well. Yeah. You know, over the years, Tyler Huntley, obviously, he'd get out of the pocket and he... His mind was, I'm going to try to do this myself. In fact, I felt like in that Pac-12 championship game, it was, I'm going to go do this myself, when it should have been, we're going to get the team to do this. Like Everybody else is going to do this. Because remember, through that season, Scotty, when he would just sit and throw, when he would deliver the ball, he was delivering really accurately. Yep. And his team was really surrounding him. And he dropped a lot of bad habits from the year before. And he stayed healthy, and it was really nice to see. And it was like when he'd get out of sight of himself and try to take over the game, there were problems. Number one, left him susceptible to getting hurt and taken off the field. But like I look at Charlie Brewer, and it, it gives me hope that the University of Utah can finish the season with the quarterback they start the season with. If Charlie Brewer, Brewer will sit back and just do the things that he's asked to do, make the reads, get the ball out of his hand, and Andy Ludwig can work inside of that, then maybe Utah keeps their quarterback for the year. Yeah, I just love one year in this state where you go through the entire season with one quarterback. Hans and Scotty talking about uh, the quarterback situation at BYU. I'm with Hans on that. I mean, having a running quarterback is tempting, but at what point will coaches realize that uh, being without your quarterback is the worst-case scenario and you've got to figure out a way to keep that player healthy i agree with everything scotty and Hans said there All right, right on the money and i had that conversation with uh with a rod uh a number of years ago and we were talking about what's the likelihood that your starting quarterback is going to play all the games and it's extremely low and that that sounds like what he he had said to to scotty so take care of your quarterback and and Jaron has had some issues in the past where he's had injury problems, right? And so in this day and age where you want so many people are so eager to have that elusive quarterback in the college game to go out and punish defenses by picking up yards himself. uh, Yeah, okay. That might – I like what Scotty said. There are certain moments where that is called for, where that's the right thing to do. Steady, steady diet of that, Jake. You're going to get your quarterback beat up, and, and and like you said, who wants that? But the problem is finding a quarterback who can stand back there and sling it is hard. <laughs> well, that's so, why that's why you send your quarterbacks down to John Beck. Yeah, right to get better. I mean, well, I mean, there's... was was Jaron driving, you know, for the weekends down there? I don't know. I making don't know. the ten hour drive. I have no clue. Uh, but that that's I mean, it's easy for us to sit there and say that. But but truth is, the mobility of a quarterback allows that quarterback to play even when they're not slinging it. You can you can tape together a quarterback that's mobile that might not be a good quarterback as a thrower. Well, here's it's okay. hard. It's hard to recruit Andrew Luck. OK, so here's the other part of the, the question. How often does a quarterback get hurt when he's running versus when he's standing in the pocket? You know what? I'd, I'd love to see some statistics on that, but, you know, Tom I think Brady. It's, I think it's more than 
more than what you might think. Well, Tom Brady never gets hurt. Tom Brady's been hurt once in his entire career. And what does he do? He stands back there and he gets rid of the ball fast, meaning he doesn't get hit. Dan Marino used hurt. to do that all the time, yeah. too. Just if there was pressure, just throw it away. Well, not, a, not only that, in addition to Tom makes a decision and gets rid of the football. And it helps that he's the most accurate quarterback on oh, the planet. That does but, help. but, I mean, if, if we're looking at extremes and models or whatever, you know, um, I, uh, we worked with uh, Gunther for a long time, and Gunther blocked for Brett Ratliff. Brett Ratliff was a way better quarterback at Utah than he probably had a right to be, but you know what he'd do? He'd get rid of the football. He'd make a decision, and he'd get rid of it. He wouldn't hold it. Well, the funny thing about that is that he he beat BYU when he, when he came out of nowhere yeah. when he ran it. Yep, so his, his I mean, it, it just goes to show you there is no hard and fast rule. There are times to do it and times not to. And I think we saw that on Zach Wilson last year. I mean, he picked his spots nicely. Yeah, he hardly ran it last year, which was a good thing. He showed some ability from a standpoint of being able to move, but steady diet of it. And, and, and here's the other thing, and I'll, I'll admit this now. Alex Smith's uh, year, uh, the, the, was he a senior or did he leave early? I, he gonna... left early. He left okay. after his junior year. So that last year he was at Utah, I kept saying over and over again, don't run it so much. He was running the ball 12 times a game. Yeah, because they ran an option offense. Right. Yeah, he and ran I, it but, a ton. But, but, but I'm saying it's too much. It's too risky. And the Utes lucked out. And he was kind fine. of the way the Cougars did last year. And except one was the number one pick and one was the number two except pick. Except for Zach Wilson didn't run the ball nearly as much as Alex Smith did. No, right. And but they but weren't the running point a is, read option that, offense. Right, but the point is he stayed healthy. And, and again, he had had an injury history as well. Oh, Zach Wilson. I thought you were talking about Alex Smith. Sorry. Okay. Because Alex, I think, was healthy pretty much his entire career at Utah. Obviously, about Zach Wilson. Yeah. Yep. But those, I mean, Zach's injuries were the were not related to running. I mean, he had a shoulder reconstruction, right? And right. then he hurt his hand. But, so that, but again, I'm not talking about just running. I'm talking about whether you're staying in the pocket or whether you're running or some combination thereof. Your odds of keeping your quarterback, one quarterback healthy for the entire season, are rather low. And do whatever you have to do. And I, I'm sure those guys have studied this stuff out. You know, they, they have the numbers in front of them. They know what the likelihood is of if you're going to dance around back there. Or, the other thing about it, though, is this. I think it gets to a point where a quarterback becomes much less effective when he is bailing when his first read is covered. And so what does he do? He takes off running. I, I don't think that develops a quarterback, and I don't think that creates a symphonic situation with your offense. And, and, and next thing you know, when that happens, now that gifted receiver core that BYU has, if their receivers know that if, if, uh, if uh, the first read is not available, that the quarterback's going to take off running, what are they going to do? Not just turn around and start blocking. They're going to quit running their routes. Stay tuned. Coming up next, uh, find out what Pac-12 coaches anonymously have to say about the University of Utah. Yeah, it's uh, that anonymous thing. That, that, uh, that, That frees guys up a little bit, doesn't it? Now, there are some of these comments that I am going to like because they kind of, you know, agree with what I say. And at least one of them you're going to like. 
Oh, me, I just have one? I said at least. I'm not trying to predict the future. Not in the your head, ones. thank goodness. <laughs> Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire, every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live in front of the team store here at Vivint Arena down here for Summer League. Uh, our friend Jonathan Reinhardt, president of the Stars, uh, just came by the, uh, the the show here during the break. He uh, also is the one who puts together the Salt Lake Summer League, by the way. He is. Um, does a great job. He just said, uh, hey, go ahead and give uh, out a couple other four packs of tickets for tonight's game. Well, then let's do those, it. Those folks that might be on the fence. Let's do the 12th and 13th callers right now, 855-340-ZONE. We're going to give you four tickets to come to the, the Jazz game tonight, and I say Jazz game because it's the Jazz playing the Jazz. Yes, it is. So come see the game. Four-pack of tickets, uh, a couple of four-packs of tickets to the 12th and 13th caller right now, 855-340-ZONE. It's fun to see how many people are coming in here excited to watch a little relaxed summer basketball. And it, it's always been that you way. You see a ton of kids running around, too. It's yeah. got to be a perfect spot to go on a Friday night if you've got a pack oh, yeah. full of kids. And, and I see all these, uh, you know, these couples coming in. And uh, what a great way to, yeah. you know, spend a little time. Whether you're with your family or whether you're with your loved one, whether you're with your buddies or your pal, whoever. You know, come on down, take a look. It's fun. All right, Gordon. Athlon does this every year. They talk to coaches about other teams, and then they they uh, print the comments anonymously. Yes. Now, these comments, this was just released yesterday, I think, but these comments were made in spring. So keep that in mind that they're somewhat antiquated. Somewhat dated. So, uh, But let's go through. Uh, we'll go through the ones for Utah, and we can go through some others if we have time. All right. Okay. Uh, quote. Let's see if we can tell who's saying what. I know. I always think that. Oh, we, I bet the coaches do. Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, quote, in a lot of ways, they're, uh, in a lot of ways, they've emulated Stanford to the point where they are the new Stanford, and right now they are more talented, unquote. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, quote, this is a different coach, quote, this team is a brand. It's a toughness in defense. They're the most physical team in the conference every single year now, and they're one of the meanest in the game. That is all wit. It's his mindset. It's his attitude. Mental toughness is a cliche, but Wit has those guys ready. They're even. Uh, they're even. Never too high or low. What a great compliment! What a great compliment, both to Kyle Whittingham and to the Utah program. If you're known as the toughest, meanest bunch in the conference, are you kidding me? You know how hard it is to gain that reputation. And I didn't hear anybody say cheap. I didn't hear anybody say dirty, just tough and mean. Isn't that what you want? And certainly a lot of that stems from the defense. 
Well, with a defensive-oriented team, that's exactly what you want. But nobody's going to call Mike Leach teams tough or mean. Uh, you know, it seems to me like one of the toughest, meanest defenses I ever saw was the Pittsburgh Steelers of their Super Bowl runs early on in the early 70s and uh, the Steel Curtain. Well, it seems to me like Terry Bradshaw could throw it around pretty much, too. Nobody threw it around they back then. They did in that throw it day. around. Nobody yes, did. Look at, go look at his stats. Compare them to the quarterbacks of today. Yeah, Nobody I know, was but the throwing game it has around changed. Anywhere. The game has changed. They were throwing it an ample amount of the time. Five times a game. It wasn't just Rocky Blyer back there and Franco Harris. Uh, next quote. Quote, they're not schematically unique. They're not wizards. They're just technically sound, fast, well-trained, and violent. Okay. Uh, up next, quote, Ludwig is coming along with the offensive side. They're starting to build their own brand there, too. You see consistency in calls. Again, you know what they are when you go in. They're built by their running game with the backs and with quarterback run and moving the pocket. That works because they're usually good up front. And when they can run steady, they're going to work you as much as they can with play action. It's one of the best matches to a defense of any offense in the Power Five. They're just not going to win conference championships. Is this is the one that's right on the money, in my opinion. They're just not going to win conference championships that way. It's, it's what Witt says, protect the defense. They, he, he, has an, he has the offense he wants to, and, for the brand that and, he's and created. That, and that's the mindset that needs to change. It doesn't, though. It's it the does. reason Utah's successful. No. That, when, when you talk about a team is tough and mean and good, that doesn't that doesn't mean you can't be creative on the offensive side. Although, they're talking about the, the Utes defense there. Yes. That's what they're that, talking about. And, the and, 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 and partly the run game. I get that. He mentioned run but, game like three but, times. But you can do both. You can't, though. Uh, yes, you can. And this is the core the of our, hundred, our disagreement. In, in the 100 acre no, wood, you can. you can. Now... That you're you're done crapping on my point. Let's get to the one that you're going <laughs> to agree let, with. Let's let you crap on I, my. I point. Told, I'm not going to. I actually somewhat agree with what is what is said right here. But you're going to take a victory lap. I know. But what this previous coach said is 100% true. It's a good match. The offense is a good match for the defense and the brand that they've built, which is the reason they've been as successful as they've been in the past. It's just, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No! Okay, now let's get personal and insult. I'm not talking about what you just said, that notion that you you have to limit yourself offensively in order to build a brand. I mean, come on. It's the reason they can play the defense they play. They could play that defense with whatever offense they were Not running. true, because if they're on the field the whole game, they're not going to be that effective, and that's true. Um, and if they turn the ball the, over the, a ton, they're not going to be that well, effective. I mean, all that stuff is that, true. That's, that's, okay, all right. What's the next guy say? Quote, if you've seen Charlie Brewer's tape from Baylor, you should be scared playing these guys. It's never a guarantee that a grad transfer locks in right away, but these pieces fit, man. If Brewer plays like he did when Matt Rule was still at Baylor, this team can win the conference. Yeah, okay. Yep, I absolutely 100% agree with that. See, he's not going to be the same quarterback he was at Baylor, though, for a variety of good reasons. And and nobody expects that. But can he be efficient? That's you, you could talk about throwing it all over the yard all you want. But the truth is, you put Tyler Huntley in the same conversation yesterday as Brian Johnson, Alex Smith, and uh, Scott Mitchell. 
as the best quarterbacks to come through Utah in the past whatever years, right? Well, Tyler Huntley wasn't that good because he could sling the ball over the yard. Tyler Huntley got that good because he was efficient and a good decision maker. And that's what Utah needs a quarterback. They need efficiency and a good decision maker. But that's the, it. But the efficiency is really important. And too often in the past, the Utes have been too conservative. And we, we've seen that. We've seen that in championship games in which they've been involved. When they went up against Washington and couldn't score, that's a problem. That wasn't because they were conservative. That's because they didn't have anybody left to play on offense. Um, um, you remember that year? Yeah, the I whole mean, team got decimated uh, in November. That was that problem there. The hole or the donut. I mean, really, you can go back and forth on it. I'm just saying that Utah has to get to a point where if their run game is going to be stopped, they need to be able to move the ball through the air. And Kyle Whittingham said it. Even when he said that, quote-unquote, we have to be better throwing the football, he said, we're not going to throw it 60 times. That's not the expectation here. It's just be good enough to create a real threat against defenses who are going to cheat up against your run game. That's the play-action thing that the previous quote that you hated so much was talking about. (laughs) Okay, all right. Well, we'll see. Again, it it comes down to, are you going to argue to give the ball to Zach Moss less? Because that's what you're arguing. But I, No, that is not my argument. My argument was that Zach Moss can run the ball a few times less because the the pass game is opening up parts of the field that weren't open before because defenses knew they could crowd up on him. So he might average 10 yards a carry instead uh, of seven. Do you think... Mike Dicka sat down back in the back in the 80s and he goes guys I've got a brilliant plan Walter Payton's going to be better for us this year because we're going to give him the ball less and who was a more brilliant coach Mike Ditka or Bill Walsh did Bill Walsh ever have Walter Payton he had Roger Craig he was not nearly as good as Walter well, Payton. maybe not, but he it was an enlightened brand Imagine of football. The, the Lions. Actually, the Lions would probably do this. I know, guys. We're going to give the ball to Barry Sanders less. Our problem here is we're giving the ball to Barry Sanders too much. As I've said so many times before, sometimes less is more. This is football. You give the ball to your best players and you let them go make a Jake, play. I, lo- I, love, I love the way you are just absolutely marrying this idea that because the Utes have been good, that they don't have to try to be great. And they, and they, the, what is missing? What has been missing in the past? When they had the last uh, couple of times when they won the South, what has been missing? They, if they could just be a little better with the pass game, then they would be able to be conference champions. And they haven't had it, and hence they've been somewhat limited. They've been really good, but if they want to be great, they have to do what Nick Saban said that all teams in modern college football needed it. Disagree. They need a better quarterback, sure. But I don't think they need to turn into the air raid. I think that's actually opposite. And I never said that. Um, That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. You're saying they need to throw it more. I disagree. They need to throw it a little more and uh, more efficiently. They don't have to be the air raid. I think we've burnt this, this argument. I what else did they I say? I don't think they need to throw the ball more. That's uh, that's really the last one. Any other teams you're you're curious about? Uh, the coaches were extraordinarily high on Arizona State. Um, were they high on the fact that uh, Arizona State was recruiting during COVID? Uh, 
Uh, this was before that, so they uh, didn't. They, they did not. Uh, let's see here. Um, USC, the one coach said, if you're looking for weakness, you'd like to see better play at O-line for them. It's not up to standard, maybe because that's the that's because they don't run it like they used to. I don't think consistency is their problem. But, but, I think it's identity, which is right on the money. But they had a great offensive lineman who was drafted early this last year. And, and here's – if I'm an offensive lineman, I get it that it's fun to run block and just knock guys right off the line of scrimmage. Uh, I would, I would but, not. But passing blocking is – is an absolute necessity in the modern NFL. And so if I'm an offensive lineman, I'd be more apt to go to USC in order to develop that aspect of my game. Except because for that's, that's what NFL coaches and scouts are looking except for. Except for that's not how they pass block. There are the, the whole the air raid has that zone blocking scheme, which they don't use in the NFL. All right, whatever. Uh, like I said... The the air raid offense is not what we're talking about here. That's not what is needed. Well, this is USC. They run the air raid offense, and they don't have an identity anymore. That's what the coach said. We weren't talking about Utah. That was the University of of Southern California. Well, if they were more efficient at what they were doing, they would have a brand. USC? Yeah, Yeah. they had a brand. Running back you. They just wadded that up and threw I, it I into just, the garbage I just into can't the believe that, can. that, Jake, you, you are marrying this whole idea that teams either have to run or they have to pass. They can't do both because then you lose your brand. Uh, Utah just landed a stud three-star running back from Florida today. You okay. think he's coming to Utah because they uh, are a pass team? I don't think – uh, okay. Has Alabama had good running backs in the last little while? Utah beat out Florida and Florida State for this running back. Okay. Do you think they did that that's because they're a pass team? But why are, why are running backs going to Alabama where Nick Saban has changed his philosophy 100%? I don't know. I'm not familiar with uh, Atlanta, uh, Alabama's running back depth at the moment. But Alabama gets such good players. Nick Saban could run the wing tee. And still win Again, every game. When Nick Saban made these comments, he was putting on a coaching clinic, not just to teams in the SEC, but to teams every, even high school teams. He was saying he was talking to everybody. He wasn't just talking to coaches who are uh, at the head of some glorified program somewhere. But not every coach coaches is a program where he could just change his mind willy-nilly like that, and it's going to work. Nick Saban could have stood up there in front of those coaches and said, you know what, guys, I'm trying something new. We're going with 10 players well, on no, offense no, no. instead this, of 11. This is, and they'd still win every this, game. This is what he was saying. He was saying, he, not again, not to be good, but to be great. You have to be able to do these other things. Offense, explosive offensive football is hugely important. This whole idea of three yards in a cloud of dust, it's a, come on, Jake. When I hear you talk, I feel like I'm talking to, to these uh, traditionalists from 1968. It works at Utah. They're better than they have a right to be, and it's part of their brand. I, no, it's I don't the reason think they're they win. Better. I don't think they're better than they have a right they to are. be. Why, why do you say that? You're putting the program down. Utah is a great football how program. Many, how many divisions or, or conference championships does Arizona have? 
I mean, it's it's Utah has overachieved in the Pac-12. I, I so don't far. think they have. Have well, they won? Absolutely. A, have they did. won a championship yet? No, they haven't. Utah's a great school. Arizona's been in the school it's a, in the conference it's, for it's forty a, years it's and a, hasn't it's won. It's a great school. It's a terrific uh, uh, place to get your education, and it's a really, really solid football school. And so I, instead of looking at it and going, oh, you know what, guys, you haven't really achieved what your goal is every year, but you've been pretty darn good. You've been better than you deserve to be. I would love to hear you give that preachment to the team itself. I'd be happy to. They have been better than they I, I think to they be. would look at you like, man, you are way underselling us. When was the last time uh, Cal got a league title? When was the last time Washington State or Oregon State got a league so title? What? That's their problem. It's hard to do. That's my point. The, as far as they've gotten in this league, it's hard to do. It's more likely for the Utes to make it happen if they're a little more versatile on offense. Stay tuned. More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire, every day, with no credit needed financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from Summer League, right out in front of the team store here at Vivint Arena as folks come in, all jazz-geared out, getting ready for... uh, the Jazz Summer League game, which is going on starting at 7 o'clock. A lot of folks coming in and out, both in and out of the store and in, toward the arena. Yeah, it's fun It's fun stuff to see everybody fired up to enjoy some summer basketball. I want to see Doak bang down another hook shot tonight. <laughs> what was he the other night, his percentage? He was 9 or 9. He was batting 1,000. Um. Okay, so what happens if the Jazz, what happens if he does become a, a serviceable player sooner rather than later? I wonder what happens. Well, I, they, I mean, if he beats out Hassan Whiteside, then yeah. he's going to play. If he doesn't, yeah. well, Whiteside's only on a one-year deal. That's so. true, and for a vet minimum. Right. I, I would expect that, that, well, the Jazz will hope that he makes as big a leap forward this year as possible, and then they'll readdress the situation after next season. Yeah, it's a problem they would love to have. Right, exactly. So I I don't expect a ton out of him this year. But seeing him have a good summer league, I mean, that's nothing but positive. We've seen players we expect to have a good summer league have bad summer leagues. Yes, we and have. And that's a, that's a really bad sign. <laughs> yes, it is. So, it, you know, it's a good sign that he's playing well. You know, uh, someone that I'm, I'm really curious to see what effect he can have on the team, and his deal is not yet cleared, uh, but it's reported to be – uh, happening is uh, Pascal. Uh, I, I, I've studied a lot of film of him over the past little while, and he's a dynamic player, or at least he can be at his high. Yeah, at his high moments. Uh, I'm not watching the uh, what would it be? 72 percent of the three pointers he took last year and missed. I'm not watching those, but he he's got a powerful body. He moves well, especially in the low post. He's dynamic, uh, and he can he can shoot it a little bit. I mean, I think he shot about forty nine percent from the from the field last year, or over his career. And last year was not a particularly great year for him. Nowhere near. I mean, the year before he was 
was he on the all rookie team? I think he was. Yeah. You know, I I need to learn a bit, a little bit more about him as a defender. But I I think he could come in and instantly take a little pressure off Royce O'Neal, who has to guard the other team's best player for the entire game. You know, it, I don't think Pascal uh, is going to go chase around guards like Royce does. Mm-hmm. But you know, on a night where a mismatch like Giannis or Giannis first comes to mind just because he's a mismatch for everybody. Right. But, you know, you watch Royce go play those hard-fought minutes against Giannis. Mm-hmm. Maybe Pascal is somebody who can come in and, and play that role a little bit and take a little of the pressure off Royce. Is he a guy who could uh, maybe, let's just pick a player just as an example, Clay Thompson? Yeah, go out and make it difficult yeah. for him. Yeah, I think he's capable of that. Well, like I said, we'll have to find out a little bit more about him defensively because uh, I don't know if I know enough. But yeah. in my mind, that's exactly a person. Maybe he can go in for a few minutes and take Clay off his spots, you know. I, you brought up an interesting point. I'm not I'm really arguing with myself over it as it pertains to uh, Pascal. And it's, it's this. Uh, he he uh, regressed last year. And so can the Jazz find a way to reignite that yeah steve kerr's a pretty smart guy and if they were willing to give him up it does give you a little bit of pause but maybe the jazz can find the magic that comes with with uh a new setting uh a new approach and maybe a different opportunity if if that opportunity does exist because it's getting a little crowded well that's what they hope because Listen, if he wasn't damaged goods, and I by damaged, I'm, I'm referring to the step back, right? right? If he wasn't, you know, if he wasn't that, then the Jazz wouldn't have been able to acquire him. Right. So it's it's one of those things where the Jazz hope that that's the case. But if it if he were as good as he was his rookie year and took another step, they're not getting him. He's still <laughs> in Golden State, right? All so, true. So it's almost what you're hoping for. Right. The, it's the chance you take when you trade for a guy like that. Right. And I, I, obviously, you know, Coach Snyder or, or Justin Sanek or whatever, their their opinion is, well, let's get him under our umbrella and we'll get him back going in the right direction. And, and I'm I, sure I, that they've studied all the right. games and have uh, seen what his capabilities but have been. why, to your point, because Steve Kerr seems like a pretty capable coach, yeah. why wasn't he able to get exactly. that? And, and I wonder what that, I mean, if I, you would hope the Jazz would pinpoint that reason, right? But there is I another factor here, and what what has Donovan Mitchell been saying about his buddy? Yeah, I know. And, but and, and I know you don't like when players get involved in all that, but I, I think I'm not saying that anybody's going to make a decision based on someone being a friend of your star player. But I, I wonder whether what he has been saying to Jazz management for a while now. So, all right, other the player input thing aside for a second. Mm-hmm. It never never made a whole lot of sense to me to give the roster spot to a buddy. <laughs> like when that was a when that was a storyline around Jeremy Evans and Gordon Hayward, I always uh-huh. scratched my head like, why would? There's only at the time what twelve of them. There's only fifteen roster spots, and you're going to give one of those fifteen to a buddy. It's never like, enough. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. You're right on right there. Who was who was like Darren, the Jazz? Darren, Darren Williams' backcourt mate. D Brown. D Brown. The Jazz would never <laughs> make the move for that reason alone. Mm-hmm. I, or at least I think. I, I don't agree. know. I it, agree. Like, like maybe you know, give Justin some truth serum and he'd tell you different. But I, 
I would guess that the primary reason for trading for Pascal is on the floor and his relationship with Donovan is is gravy. Yeah. This is the cherry on top, yes, right? I, I agree I, with you. So, I, you know, Jeremy Evans wasn't the best player in the world, but I would guess that they had some faith in his ability other than the fact that he and Gordon were friendly. Yeah. You know, uh, Joe Wingles and Dante Exum. Yes. You know, the Joe's familiarity with Dante was probably a bonus, but if they didn't see some potential in Joe, they're not making that move because yeah. it's not a it's not a charity, it's not a uh, it's not a social club. But relationships still matter. Yeah. So that's what I think. I think the fact that Pascal and Donovan have a good relationship is probably nice. But that if they didn't believe yeah. he could be a contributor to the roster, they're not making the move. I mean, they're not. Yeah. Uh, the, Justin Zanuck's not where he is in this business because he's doing favors for friends. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. All right. But hey. based on the what I've seen, at least on film of uh, Pascal, it seems like he does – have some potential. And by the way, what an insult that is to Joe Ingles or Jeremy Evans. Uh, it's true. The only reason you're on the team <laughs> is because the fifth pick in the draft is a young Australian away from home, and we want you to keep him from being homesick. And we're willing to pay you millions and give you one of our coveted roster spots. We just did because hear, we did we're, hear we're a little worried Dante's going to be homesick. <laughs> I mean, that's such an insult to Joe Ingles. Or, or Jeremy Evans with Gordon Hayward, for that matter. Yeah. Like yeah. The only reason you're here is because you're Gordon's buddy, just so you know. <laughs> well, you would want to prove that. Oh, us, yeah. And, hey, Joe Ingles is still on the team. Yes, he is, yeah. and he's making $13 million a year. Watching that uh, USA-Australian game, I was reminded of the fact that Dante Exum, who was a nice guy and I, I think got a bum, bum rap, but two things. He's always on the ground. Like, he's always getting knocked over True. or falling down or whatever. And I've never seen a player look more tired all the time. <laughs> never, huh? <laughs> well, I don't know. That's probably not fair to say never. But he always, I always thought that about him he, when he, whenever he was out there. And I'm sure he's in great shape. But he always just looked tired. Maybe that's, you know, like some people just look grumpy. <laughs> I don't know anybody like that. All right, we'll get to more coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. We'll let you hear uh, that press conference from Justin Zanuck as well. Stay tuned. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. No! 